friends, it's December 21st. Today in the Northern Hemisphere, it is the first day of winter with the shortest amount of daylight, while our friends in the Southern Hemisphere are experiencing the first day of summer. And no matter where you live on the planet, just as the light of your day comes from one source, we remember that Jesus said He is the light of the world. He who follows Him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Him is life, and His life is the light of men. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we are reading the Bible over a period of 365 days, all in the light that we have been given. The revelation of the Word of God made flesh, the perfect articulation of deity in terms of humanity, the one who spells out the truth in full, the full alphabet of truth, the Alpha and Omega beginning and the end, the exact representation, the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ. As the psalmist said, in his light we shall see light. Today we're starting our final countdown, approaching the finish line of our journey after reading the Bible aloud on this daily podcast for 355 days straight now with only 10 more podcasts before we have toured the entire expanse of the Bible. But my wife and I have found that this journey is foundational, not just to open our eyes that we may see who God is, but that we might come to personally know and grow in our relationship with Him and become more like Him as the Holy Spirit applies the truth of His Word to our lives. So we look forward to journeying through the Bible again next year, starting with Genesis and working our way through to the book of Revelation. Perhaps you can be thinking of who you might want to invite to come along on our journey through the Bible. Remember, the One Year Bible can be read online at the oneyearbibleonline.com website, but having a hard copy in hand is a great blessing, and a One Year Bible would make a great Christmas present for a loved one. Today we are starting the penultimate book of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah the 38th book of the Bible, with only one book left in the Old Testament to go. We are also reading the last book of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ by the Apostle John. When we read them together, it is as if they are written by the same author, although they are separated by hundreds of years. Both contain visions in which they are prophetically seeing similar things by the Holy Spirit, with both near and far implications in history. Let's get started with Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah was a priest as well as a prophet. Like Haggai, he was called to prophesy to the remnant that returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity, encouraging Zerubbabel in the work of rebuilding the temple. He puts the work of restoration in its proper perspective. There is a greater work of restoration in view. There is a greater temple to be built. He perceives the future reconciliation of all things in heaven and on earth in Christ Jesus. The temple prophetically speaks of Jesus Christ and His finished work of redemption. Jesus is the holiest of all. He is the glory of God. He is the perfect and the one and only meeting place between man and God, the one mediator between God and man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And Zechariah focuses on a greater restoration of Israel in the world context as he looks ahead into the far future with great clarity. So here we go, Zechariah chapter 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. A Call to Return to the Lord In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, 
saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so he has dealt with us. A Vision of a Horseman On the twenty-fourth day of the eleventh month, which is the month of Shebat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my Lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. A Vision of Horns and Craftsmen And I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? And he said to me, These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? He said, These are the horns that scattered Judah, so that no one raised his head. And these have come to terrify them, to cast down the horns of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. And this is the end of our Old Testament portion today from the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah is known as the Apocalypse of the Old Testament. You will discover why in the next few days as we are reading both the book of Zechariah and the book of Revelation together. Both the book of Revelation and the book of Zechariah are very visual. The Lord shows these prophets how His purposes have advanced and are advancing to history's climax, the restoration of all things through Christ, and particularly in respect to His promises to Israel. This objective of all things being reconciled to God in Christ is spelled out in Paul's epistles in Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. Like his older contemporary Haggai, 
the prophet Zechariah prophesied to Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and the remnant that returned to Jerusalem with them, encouraging them to rebuild the temple. Zechariah was called to prophesy when he was a young man. In Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4, both prophets encouraged Zerubbabel to finish the work to which God had called him, the rebuilding of God's dwelling place. Haggai had prophesied that the glory of the latter house, that is the second temple, the temple of Zerubbabel, would exceed that of the former, the temple of Solomon. Those that were old enough to remember the temple of Solomon before it was destroyed were nostalgically looking back at what they imagined as the glory days. The prophet points out that those days were not as glorious as they seemed, although the silver and gold was impressive to the natural eye. The glory of Solomon's temple was only a shadow of what was to come, and the glory of the old temple paled in comparison to the glory that would be manifested when God would tabernacle among us in human flesh. The history of their ancestors was more one of rebellion and disobedience than glory. It was a tragic period with much loss due to their sinful practices. This is the post-exilic age for Israel. The age of Gentile domination has begun, even though the Jews are back in their homeland. The first prophecy of Zechariah is dated according to the reign of the Persian king Darius. The word of the Lord comes to him in the eighth month of Darius Histospis's second year, just two months after Haggai's first vision. The Lord calls his people to learn from the example of their ancestors who failed to repent. The people respond to God's word and repent in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 6. Zechariah was then shown a vision of a man riding a red horse standing among myrtle trees, hadassah trees, by a ravine with red, sorrel, and white horses behind him. Zechariah asks, My Lord, what are these? In Zechariah chapter 1 verse 9. The man standing by the myrtle trees, whom we learn is an angel, said, We have patrolled the whole earth and all is quiet. The Lord was assuring the people that their time of chastisement and captivity had come to an end. He now measures out Jerusalem for protection and prosperity. The Lord promises that His presence will return to Jerusalem with compassion and that His house will be rebuilt in it. In Zechariah chapter 1 verse 16, we all need to be encouraged with God's assurances of sure mercies. The measuring line stretched over the city reminds us of what we read yesterday in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, John was given a measuring rod to measure out the temple of God and the altar for protection and preservation. The rest of the city was marked to be trodden by the Gentiles. The two olive trees and two lampstands in the book of Revelation refer to the two witnesses in Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 11 verse 3 and will resemble what we will soon read in Zechariah chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Zechariah is then shown four horns. He is told that they represent those powers, nations of the world, that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. But the craftsmen have come to terrify these horns, overthrowing those same nations. Deliverance is on its way. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Revelation, chapter 12. The Woman and the Dragon And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, 
Behold, a great red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Satan thrown down to earth. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, and times, and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, from the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 12, we have a flashback to view the central story of redemption. We see the unfolding conflict between the serpent and the seed of the woman. The woman speaks of the faithful who have been waiting for the Messiah. The twelve stars speak of the twelve tribes as pictured in Joseph's dream in Genesis chapter 37 verse 9. The male child is the promised seed, Christ, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, born of a virgin. As soon as he is born, he is sought after to be destroyed. The adversary, Satan, that is the red dragon, opposes God's plan of redemption and motivates King Herod to attempt to kill the Savior when he is born. He also persecutes all who identify with the Savior. This picture is a reminder that Christ coming into our world and taking on our humanity as the promised seed of the woman has cosmic significance and that there is a spiritual war on. Satan goes forth with great fury and rage against all who align themselves with the promised seed and his redemptive purpose. In chapters 12 to 13, we are introduced to seven personages. Number one, the woman clothed with the sun. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Number two, the red dragon. In chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. Number three, 
the male child, in verses 5 and 6. Number 4, Michael the archangel, in verses 7 through 12. Number 5, the offspring of the woman, in verses 13 through 17. Number 6, the beast out of the sea, in chapter 13, verses 2 through 10. And number 7, the beast out of the earth, in chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. In chapters 14 and 15, we will learn the results of the activities of these personages. John makes it clear that what he is seeing is symbolic. It is a great sign in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. The Greek word is semion, a sign that points to or symbolizes something else. The woman is Israel. In Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 and 10, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 13, verse 21, and Isaiah chapter 26. She is not the mother of Jesus, as Mary was not persecuted for 1,260 days, nor is she the church, as the church does not give birth to Christ. Jesus was born according to the promise given to Israel. The dragon is specifically identified as Satan in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. His revolt led to the fall of many angels. The seven heads with royal diadems representing seven kingdoms of the world and the ten horns representing powers are under the control of Satan, the god of this age, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. Satan, the fallen Lucifer, has one-third that is a proportion of the angels in tow as his demonic host. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 15 and Revelation chapter 12 verse 4. Judging from the book of Daniel chapter 7, the seven consecutive world empires are number 1, Egypt, number 2, Assyria, number 3, Babylon, number 4, Persia, number 5, Greece, number 6, Rome, number 7, the kingdom of the beast, a ten-kingdom confederacy. The male child represents Christ. He rules with a rod of iron. Psalm 2, verses 7 through 9. The woman's flight into the wilderness represents what Jesus spoke about on the Mount of Olives before he was crucified, when he referred to future events in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 25. Michael the archangel serves as Israel's defending prince in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, verse 21, and chapter 12, verse 1. There is a further judgment upon Satan that focuses his opposition on God's people. He is revealed as the accuser of the brethren. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Revelation chapter 12 verses 9 and 10. The followers of Christ put their trust in the finished work of redemption and overcome the accuser. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. The victory is past, won by Christ's blood, in chapter 12, verse 11, a cross-reference to chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 7, verse 14. The conquering lion was a slain lamb, 
in chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. The saints implement that victory by faith in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, boldly proclaiming Christ regardless of the cost to themselves in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 and chapter 20, verse 4, thus hastening the coming of the end and the fulfillment of God's purposes in human history, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Midway through the Great Tribulation, Satan's anger is triggered further. Having great wrath, he unleashes his fury in the last of the last days, knowing that he has a short time before he is to be judged once and for all. His fury will be particularly focused on Israel in the Middle East. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. Reading this book, we cannot miss the fact that we are being called to holiness and a readiness for what is coming, Christ's return. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Next, we move on to our reading from the book of Psalms, and reading Psalm 140 is Peter Healy. Psalm 140 To the choir master, a psalm of David. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongues sharp as a serpent's, and under their lips is the venom of asps. Guard me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have planned to trip up my feet. The arrogant have hidden a trap for me, and with cords they have spread a net. Besides the way, they have set snares for me. I say to the Lord, You are my God. Give ear to the voice of my pleas. For mercy, O Lord, O Lord, my Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further their evil plots, or they will be exalted. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. Let not the slanderer be established in the land. Let evil hunt down the violent man speedily. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and will execute justice for the needy. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Thank you, Peter. This psalm is a heart cry for deliverance. It causes us to ask, where do we need to experience deliverance today? During the psalmist's trouble, he affirms that the Lord is in control and will use his current circumstances to give him a song in the night. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your presence. Psalm 140, verses 12 and 13. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, 
verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. The Lord's will is that fathers and mothers be honored, honored by children and honored by society as a whole. Today, fathers are often portrayed dishonorably and parenthood is considered an inconvenience. The eye speaks of an inner attitude, how we view our fathers and mothers. The proverb reminds us that those with an attitude of disrespect will find that that attitude will become a snare to them. A painful consequence will prove their blindness. Those who scorn father and mother are falling into a trap, providing food for birds of prey. Now let's take what we've learned in the light of God's Word and go before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for showing us who you are. We believe your word. You promise to reward those who diligently seek you. So thank you for hearing our prayers. You have demonstrated that you will protect and provide for your children. We recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We bind ourselves with the fact that we have been identified with Christ who has won the day for us. We trust in his saving work, the Lamb's shed blood, and that our lives are not our own. He has purchased us out of the slave market of sin and adopted us into your family. So we can call you our Father. Give us this day our daily bread, all that we need to be sustained as we walk through the wilderness of this world. In Jesus' name, Amen. We want to thank you for joining us on today's readings of the One Year Bible and hope that you are putting all the pieces together and that each day you are increasing in an apprehension of God's grace and learning more of the magnificent plan of salvation in which God has provided our rescue from the penalty and power of sin and death and given us a new life, a new power, and a new prospect of life under the kingship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As the year is drawing to a close, you might consider supporting this ministry of the Word, the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, with a year-end gift. We earnestly hope that this daily podcast encourages you to consistently read through and think upon the whole counsel of God in the Scriptures. You can support us by writing New Life Community Church, 221 Baker Avenue, Concord, Massachusetts, 01742, or going to our website, newlife.org. You can also subscribe there to a daily written transcript of the commentary portion of the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. You can also contact us with questions, comments, and prayer requests by sending an email to podcast at newlife.org. We would love to hear from you. So in the words of the Apostle Peter, You therefore, beloved, be on your guard so that you do not fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Shalom.